This is the Upside Down Podcast, where we discuss the happenings of our coffee shop, art gallery, and community space in Westwood Village. I'm Kyle, the manager of Upside Down and your host for this podcast. Here we discuss coffee, art, and our vision for community behind it all. If you want to learn more, check out our website at UpsideDown.com. Follow us on Instagram at UpsideDown underscore LA. Or our preferred method, visit us at our cafe. We're glad you're here and enjoy the show. Kyle, your host here. So today we have a kind of special and different episode for you that's really cool. Um, This last week in the cafe, we did an event called Peace, Mental Health, and the College Experience that had a panel of multiple mental health professionals and a mindfulness professional who works at UCLA. And they answered, they shared a little bit about their experience and answered questions from regulars at Upside Down who came to discuss what that's like and the different challenges that come with college. Um, So we actually split the episode into two parts because it was a little bit over an hour and we had a really great time of them sharing and uh, kind of giving some info about what they do and their wisdom for the community. And then they followed that up with a Q&A. So here is part one. Um, We're just going to drop you into the episode now. And Isaac... Our director hosted the panel and introduces all of them, and hope you enjoy the enjoy the listen. All right, everybody, welcome. Um, so glad you're here. Um, thanks for registering, and for those of you who kind of just walked in and weren't expecting to come to this today, um, welcome to Upside Down. My name is Isaac. I'm the director of Upside Down, um, and as you may know, we're a coffee art and community space. And so the event that you're at right now, um, Peace, Mental Health, and the College Experience, is directly related to the artwork that we've curated to be on the walls, which has to do with the topic of peace in the midst of anxiety. And so all of the artists that you see uh, represented by their works on the walls have grappled with the issue of anxiety and mental health and have responded through the artwork that you see. And so as our team thought about what could be really great um, programming to supplement the themes that are going on with the art show, um, the idea came to address this topic head on with a panel of mental health professionals. And so we have here today a lovely panel of mental health professionals who kind of span a spectrum of different backgrounds and experiences and practices that they have for themselves. And we're going to have the benefit of hearing from their experiences that they have to share specifically on the topics of anxiety and mental health. So the way today is going to go is each of them are going, I'm going to introduce them and they're going to have a chance to explain a little bit more about themselves and their practices and some of the the mechanisms that they use and the methods that they use to encounter um, mental health for themselves um, and for the people that they help. And then they're going to kind of dialogue amongst themselves. And then throughout, we actually have a text in Q&A that's going to be a QR code here on the screen. And if you'd like to go ahead and take a little Q 
QR scan of that right now to be able to text in questions that you might have that come up throughout our event. We're gonna have a really robust time of commenting and reflecting on some of those experiences. Um, and each of these panelists are gonna have a chance to respond to your questions. And so we would love to have a really engaging time of Q&A, so if you can, think of a good question that you might wanna share um, based on either your own experience, or you don't have to say it's your own experience, you can say, a friend of mine struggles with, um, if it's a little too vulnerable. Um, but yeah, we're really excited that you are here. Um, Upside Down, of course, is a coffee, art, and community space. We are owned and operated by an organization called Jews for Jesus, um, which, you know, you never kind of know what you're going to get when you're walking into a space that's owned and operated by a religious organization. Sometimes that's a space that is not like a space that you'd want to be, or typically those spaces aren't even open to the public. Um, but we kind of want to change that narrative and do events that really serve the neighborhood and the people who come into this space on a regular basis. So our goal is to create uh, a space for our neighborhood to connect to one another through coffee, art, and community events. It's my hope that you'll really benefit from this experience. And so without further ado, let me introduce our panel. We have uh, Stacy Keston, who is a founder of Wholehearted Mindset here in Los Angeles. Stacy provides mindfulness coaching and an array of workshops focusing on mindfulness, creative cultivation, and team building. She has worked across a diverse spectrum of organizations and have helped hundreds of clients to be more effective leaders and happier and more present human beings. Stacy is a graduate of the UCLA Semmel Institute for Neuroscience and Human Behavior with a certification in mindfulness facilitation and is a certified mindfulness teacher slash professional through the International Mindfulness Teachers Association and has practiced meditation for over 12 years. So first, I'm going to hand it over to Stacy to share a little bit more about herself. Stacy. Thank you, Isaac. Hi, everyone. So nice to be here with all of you. Thanks for having us. Um, I think before I talk about my, uh, well, okay, first, how many of you have any experience with mindfulness practices or um, have ever meditated or, okay, so a fair amount. Anybody brand new, never done any practices or apps or books or, okay, so everybody has at least like a little bit of experience. Um, so just to start off before I talk a little bit about mindfulness, I wanted to offer a brief mindfulness practice for everybody just to help us all arrive in the space together. Um, and uh, just to get a sense experientially what mindfulness is and how we can um, use it. So if you don't mind, um, I would like for all of you to just find a comfortable seated position, whatever that looks like for you. For me, I usually just kind of put both feet on the ground and sit up straight, alert, but relaxed. And uh, you might have done a practice before where a teacher or facilitator asks you to close your eyes, but for this particular practice, I'm gonna ask everybody to keep their eyes open, if that's okay. And um, just inviting everybody to just, let's take one big deep breath. So just breathing in the oxygen of the room as you exhale, seeing if you can allow your body to soften and relax, noticing if there's any place where you're holding on or managing or tightening. 
And then one more deep breath. And as you exhale this time, see if you can invite your body to rest 10% more than it already is into the chair you're sitting in. Okay, and then I wanna invite everybody to just take a look around the room and see if you can notice five things you can see. So just really taking in the lights and the shadows, the objects, textures, colors. Just taking in the space that we're in, so focused on creativity. Just really seeing the room. And now bringing your attention to your hearing and see if you can notice four things you can hear. I notice the sound of my voice or the traffic, air conditioner. Just noticing what sensory experience comes to your ears. And now moving your attention to feeling, see if you can notice three things you can feel. So you might notice like the touch of your clothes or other physical sensations, or you might notice an emotion inside of your body. And there is no emotion that's not allowed. So just letting whatever's here be here with an attitude of kindness and compassion if that's available. And now noticing, if you can, two things you can smell. Might be getting a little trickier, but see if you can take in two different distinct smells. And then one thing you can taste. Thank goodness it's good coffee. Okay, so now everybody's done a mindfulness practice. Um, I just, since we only have a couple minutes here to introduce ourselves, I just wanted to take, if I could, one person could share something that you noticed or something that was interesting to you during that practice. Anybody just raise your hand or blurt it out, whatever. Yes? It was a lot like tenser than I thought I was. So you... Okay, so you notice the tension, and in the noticing, you actually felt your body relax a bit. Awesome. So that's really the practice of mindfulness. It's paying attention to our present moment experiences with openness, curiosity, and a willingness to be with what is. And so much of anxiety, we're focusing on the future. The anxiety is really about, in a sense, we're trying to protect ourselves from something that will happen in the future. It can also be linked to things that have happened in the past, um, which I think our therapists probably can speak to even more intelligently than I can. But 
Um, I know for myself, as somebody who came to this practice of mindfulness through the doorway of extreme anxiety, and I had an amazing therapist recommend mindfulness practices, so I bow down to the, to the profession of therapy because it changed my life. Um, but So I just wanted to offer a very brief practice to just kind of get a sense of we're just paying attention really to our experience. And oftentimes just the act of paying attention, bring your mind into the present moment, out of the ruminating future, which is where we get stuck a lot with anxiety, can automatically cause us to be able to relax. I also wanna say, I think this is probably why, the main reason I wanted to be here to talk about mindfulness anxiety is that the relief for anxiety can come through so many different doorways of mindfulness. And so I would really encourage you, if you want to learn about mindfulness and you go to a practice where somebody really encourages you to focus on the breath, for example, and you're not feeling um, better, you're feeling worse, there are so many other opportunities to practice mindfulness. So don't force it um, when it's not, when it's it's feeling really triggering or you're feeling more anxiety. Um, and I'll be happy to share with anybody different ways you can learn about mindfulness, um, either during this conversation or um, afterwards. U UCLA's MARC program that I'm affiliated with has a lot of offerings, some of, many of which are free, some of which are their scholarships and discounts for students and things like that. So, um, so I just really wanna say it's important to find the practice that feels helpful um, and don't try to make something fit if it's not fitting for you. Um, I just wanna do one more little demonstration along, that, along those lines. So I wanna invite everybody to take your hand and um, invite you to just take, make a fist with your hand as hard as you can. Thinking of this as if you struggle with anxiety, it can feel like this, right? It can feel like a really strong fist. And what we often do with anxiety is we try to get at it and either get in there and fix it or push it away or fight with it or struggle with it, but try to take your other hand and see if you can pry open your anxiety with your other hand. Just kind of pull at it and see how easy that is, right? It's not that easy. But if you take your other hand, this is kind of hard to do, but take your other hand and hold it underneath and just allow it to be there or even maybe like holding it closed and saying, I, I see that you're trying to protect me, thank you. I know what you're trying to do, and I'm not gonna force you open. In fact, I'm gonna hold you and help you. That's really the practice of mindfulness. We're coming at our anxiety with compassion, not disgust or intolerance or hatred. It's more about embracing, loving, holding, supporting. And what happens often when we do that is we start to unravel, but we, don't, we can't force it. So that's why we need to find the right practice for us. So sorry if that was a little long, but I'll pass the mic back to you. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Stacy. Um, so if you want to scan the QR um, and start to send in some questions, specifically for Stacy or something more in general, um, you can feel free to do that right now. And, and as you do that, I'm going to introduce our second panelist for the afternoon. This is Hope Phillips. Hope is an associate marriage and family therapist here in Los Angeles, a certified level two restoration therapist, and uses a combination of different evidence-based theories and practices such as attachment theory, experiential theory, and mindfulness, and cognitive behavioral therapy. 
So Hope, would you introduce yourself and a little bit more about what you do related to our topic? Yeah, so as Isaac said, um, I'm an associate marriage and family therapist, and I work um, at a private practice called Abundant Life Therapy that's in Sawtell, so very close to here. Um, so I have a couple things I wrote down uh, to share what I've found in working with anxiety in the past. So what I've usually found with anxiety and depression is that it usually has something to do with a dissonance that's being experienced internally. So something that used to feel safe and stable is being questioned by a recent life change or a life experience. So obviously with college, it's very relevant because you're having a huge transition and a huge life change um, that's happened. Um, so usually this, I've seen that this usually happens in two categories. So there's one that is my worth and my value is feeling, there's dissonance in my worth and my value that I'm experiencing. And then there's also dissonance in the safety and security that I usually experience. So in college, there's a lot of changes, a lot of changes being experienced. There's a huge transition, there's a change of environment, there's a change of relationships, and that brings up this dissonance of, you know, what I used to find my worth and identity in or what I used to find my security and stability in is now at question. A couple examples that I was thinking through was Back home, everyone may have been affirming in the way they talk to me in my home, and now people are talking to me in a very monotone, straight-to-the-point way, and that causes dissonance. People at home used to wave at me when let me pass as a ped pedestrian back home, and now they're about to run me over. That causes dissonance. There are deeper things, like I believe in only one set of... Or I used to believe in only one set of values back home, and now it's being questioned. There used to be one culture back home. Now there's a lot of cultures. There used to be one religion back home. Now there's a lot of religions that I'm being exposed to. There used to be one set of values and morals, um, and now there are a lot. There used to be one way to impress people back at home, and now there are a lot of ways to impress people. I used to be impressive back at home, and now I don't feel as impressive. We can obviously talk more about this. Uh, also, I wanna say disclaimer is that this isn't always true for anxiety and uh, depression, but this is what generally I have found, like the depth when we look at under the surface what's going on. There's obviously some instances where someone is experiencing uh, imbalance in their brain chemistry, and that could be from like birth, they have a predisposition to have anxiety, in which case you would wanna treat that more physically from the physical side. Um, and then also there can be traumatic experiences that just heightens your nervous system and makes you more predisposed to have anxiety. So this isn't true for everyone, but usually what I've found is that you can find like this is what's happening underneath. So with that, I want to end with saying, this portion, end with saying that this could actually be a cool opportunity. The theme of upside down, anxiety can actually be a cool opportunity to look within. So when things, obviously it's not a fun experience to experience anxiety, but when things we based our safety and identity in are being questioned, it's a really good chance to reevaluate what we base it in and if we can base it in, in something more stable. Um, so that's a lot of hard work that 
you know, happens in therapy, but it's a really good opportunity to kind of look at that and work through that. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Hope. And uh, again, if you have specific questions for Hope or based on what she said, you can feel, to, feel free to send those in and we'll get a chance to look at those later. Um, lastly, but definitely not least, I'd like to introduce Miriam Koenig. Miriam is a licensed marriage and family therapist here in Los Angeles, specializing in individual, couples, and family psychotherapy. Among her areas of expertise are depression, anxiety disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, grief counseling, and issues related to chronic illness and parenting strategies. So Miriam, would you please uh, explain a little bit more and elaborate on your practice? Thanks. <clears throat> Thank you, Isaac. Um, yeah, I've been in practice now for 30 years, and I do a lot of work with um, anxiety and you know some of the things that, that Isaac said. And I thought that what might be helpful um, is to give you maybe some strategies, you know, or to explain a little bit of what I sometimes do with people who have anxiety, um, just some strategies that I can explain that maybe you can like look into a little bit. I wanna give you something to take away. Um, one of the things that I do and um, that we already actually did a little bit of is I do try to teach people um, some relaxation exercises because as you mentioned, when you're, you know, your body gets tense, you know, when you're anxious, there's a whole physiological piece to that. Usually when you're like, you know, you don't get in bed and you're super, super anxious and you're like, oh, I just feel like going to sleep because anxiety is like a very revved up, you know, physiological state. You may be breathing in a more shallow way. A lot of times I ask people, where do you feel it? I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my throat. I feel it. Um, I have to get up and pace. I have to, my fists are clenched. You know, a lot of times, you know, if you really check in with yourself, you'll see that there's, you know, quite a bit of stuff going on for you physically um, as well as psychologically. So sometimes one way that we can kind of bring down anxiety is to actually go the back door and change what the body is doing, which then can also bring down what the brain is doing. So a lot of times I'll have, I do an exercise with people where we isolate muscles, we tense up those muscles, we relax them, we do a visualization of a very peaceful place. And you know, I always ask people at the end, how do you feel? And they're like, oh, I feel like really, really relaxed. And um, you know, which is a very polar opposite way to feel towards than, than anxiety feels. So I wanna give people that contrast and I ask them to practice that because you know practicing makes it more available to them. Um, and you know even a, a, an easier one that is if you put your hand here on your on your belly where your diaphragm is, and you try to breathe and you push so you can see your hand pushing out slowly. A lot of times when you're anxious, you're like breathing up here, but if you do an exercise where you're making sure that you're oxygenating well and getting these like, nice slow deep breaths, that can also kind of bring down um, a little bit what's happening. So that's one thing. Um, I have a number of different kinds of things like, for example, when people are really spinning out about worrying about something and just being really, really anxious about it and can't stop. You know, like yesterday I, I suggested to somebody, well, let's take a lockbox, like a metal, old-fashioned lockbox with a key 
and let's put this thing that you're thinking about all the time into that box. And I want you to imagine taking that box and putting it on a high shelf in a closet, okay? And you've locked it. Now, if you want to think about that, you're going to take the box out, sit down, open it, and take it out. So that rather than the anxiety dictating to you when you're thinking about this, you're going to take a little bit of control. And, uh, you know, I give people a lot of tools, and what I tell people is, I want you to have a toolbox full of tools. And everybody has their favorite tools, and everybody has tools that they don't like, you know? You gotta find the ones that are your tools that are gonna work well for you. And the more you have in your toolbox, the more options that you have. Um, the other thing that I wanna kind of, a couple things I wanna touch on is, um, we live in a very, um, very stimulating world, you know? Um, I don't know if any of you, this may not be a movie that you were interested in or a book, but if you, there was a movie a couple years ago with Tom Hanks, The News of the World, uh, based on a book, and in the character of Tom Hanks goes from town to town, this is like in the 1800s, every few months the guy comes to your town and gives you the news of the world. And that's it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> You know what's happening locally in between his visits, but you don't know what's happening in Europe. You don't know what's happening in Asia. You don't even know what's happening across the country until Tom Hanks shows up and you know <laughs> tells you. And that's just the 1800s, okay? Our brains have not changed very much since then, but the world has really changed in terms of how much stimulation that we get. And so often what I say you know, to people is you've got to check what you're putting into your brain and how much you're putting in. Because it's really, you know, like if you're doom scrolling all the time, you're gonna be anxious. Of course you are, you know, I mean, and you're gonna, cause you're lighting up your brain over and over and over again. And <clears throat> so your brain is staying in this really hyper aroused state and there's so many different things that you can be anxious about. So sometimes what I'm talking to people about is, you know, really check your social media. I mean, like, you know, if you're getting, I had a woman once, and it was email for her. She had these emails that were coming in every day that were like the end of the world and the this and the that. And the other thing I said, you know, you can unsubscribe from these emails. You don't have to open them up. They're making you anxious for the whole day. And are you changing anything by looking at these emails? No, you are not. Okay, and then a couple of last things that I kind of want to share with you is I do a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy around anxiety. And, um, you know, like I'll say to people, so this particular thing that's making you so anxious, on a scale of one to 10, I said this to someone a couple weeks ago, on a scale of zero to 10, zero being absolutely no anxiety at all, 10 being maximum anxiety, you know, not, I'm sorry, zero being no consequence at all. 10 being maximum consequence. How important is this thing that you're worrying about? How big is it? And this person said, oh, it's like a two. I said, uh-huh, and on a scale of zero to 10, zero, no anxiety, 10 maximum, and where are you on that? Oh, a 12, you know. <laughs> she's, she's a lot of fun to work with. And, um, you know, she's a 12. I said, yeah, so let's talk about how this thing is a two, but you're at a 12, and how we can work to get that 12 closer down to what the actual thing that you're thinking about really is. And then one last thing that I would just sort of suggest, I do, I do EMDR, which is trauma-based therapy, eye movement, desensitization therapy uh, for trauma. 
and I do attachment-focused um, EMDR. And one of the techniques that I teach people, and I don't just teach this to people I'm doing EMDR with, I teach it to a lot of people, is tapping in resources, which might take a little bit more time than I'm allowed right this moment. Um, but there's a great book called um, Tapping In by Laurel Parnell that, can te that teaches. It's, very e it's really easy and simple, and it's a great technique also for, for bringing down some anxiety. So, all right, I'm gonna stop with that. Great, well, thank you so much, Miriam. At this point, Stacy gestured to the crowd and asked if she could have some responses about what makes people most anxious. And we got responses like, I'm moving to New York pretty soon and I'm afraid of the unknown, or things like comparison, or um, fear of the future. Um, so each person, each panelist got uh, a few minutes to respond to some of these. So you guys can keep on sending in questions and answers either for Miriam or for all of them to respond to. Um, but what you hear in what all of them are sharing is some uh, distinction in how they each approach anxiety, but also a lot of overlap. And so what we're going to do now is I want to give um, our panel an opportunity to either ask questions of one another or respond or elaborate on something that they said earlier um, or say, yeah, yeah, and to some of the things that each other said. Um, so why don't we start with you, Stacy, if that's OK. Um, and yeah. I, I was just curious to hear from you all. Um, if anybody is interested in sharing, just kind of like, you know, I have a sense of what a lot of people struggle with in the world today and what causes a lot of anxiety, but I just wanted to see if anybody would be willing to share, like, where do you think your anxiety, like, what are the things that you feel cause anxiety in your life in this moment? So I just, I don't know if one or two people would be interested in sharing. I'd love to hear. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Just really quick, wanted to see if anybody else in the room is like the pressure for success. Does that resonate? Raise your hand if you're with, yeah. So a lot of us struggle with that, myself included. So thanks for sharing. I know in college years, it feels extra, extra intense. So back in the back. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. So like the so like what you were speaking about, just kind of the dissonance of like, you know, maybe when you're younger, things seem more, everything seems really doable and really like reachable. And then as we move the goalposts further and further out, that dissonance comes. So yeah, thank you for naming that. Appreciate it. One more. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah, so a lot of unknowns, you're moving to New York, there's gonna be a lot of things that you've never navigated before, and so just that uncertainty. Yeah, absolutely, and this, these years in college and university are, are huge, so many transitions, right? So many new things, new classes, new buildings, new states, you know, like there's a lot of change, which also comes back to your idea of create, like there's some dissonance of like, I got this, I know what I'm doing, I've been in this neighborhood, and then now you're like in a whole new place, and you don't feel like you got it as much, so yeah, thank you for naming that. Um, okay, I'll just be quiet and move on to the next person. You guys can feel 
Well, I I wanted to say how like that also spoke to me like the future future thinking which you were talking about which causes anxiety and how being present um, which also speaks to what you were saying with like real self versus ideal self and how being present and doing uh, what's the word like methods practices that's the word practices like you just did of being present like I'm here right now right now I'm in LA I'm this year old this age I'm this year in college you know this is the class I'm in like I'm in this day today's Friday like you know bringing yourself back to right now can you know I am struggling with this right now you know I am nervous right now um, instead of I wish I wasn't and if only I was like there or if only you know that can that practice is super helpful and that method um, I don't know if mine in mindfulness they call it five four three two one yeah but, I just call it the five senses practice but yeah. that but yeah I think it yeah. could have be, been called that too yeah so that is, practice is super helpful I mean if you guys don't go to therapy, even if you just do that practice, the five, four, three, two, one, or five uh, senses is super helpful every day. Um, just being back in yourself and not like over here with your mind. I think also sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm interested in what people um, believe in kind of a bigger picture you know what I mean? Because that can really matter in terms of how they, they live their lives. So, you know, um, you know, different people have different faith, things like that. Um, but when I find that people do have, a, you know, a faith background, I, you know, I, I will talk with them about that. And how does that, how does that help you in the sense of, you know, because faith or religion or any of that, I would, you'd like to think certainly would help you with real life, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, and so sometimes, I mean, I find out what people think, we talk about it, um, and that can actually be really kind of grounding for them because it can give them a framework, um, a larger sort of framework from just here I am, this like floating thing in the universe with nothing to ground me, and that does feel scary, but if I stop and think about it, maybe that's not what I really think. You know what I mean? Maybe I do have an idea that God is in control of my life, or maybe I do have an idea that, um, or that he cares about me, or, you know, any of those things. And, and you know, that can be grounding, that can be a framework. Um, for me personally, you know, I, I come from a, you know, Judeo-Christian, you know, background. Um, you know, and, and I find that there's quite a bit that directly speaks about anxiety, you know, in the Bible. I mean, Jesus actually took time in the middle of the Sermon of the Mount to talk about anxiety and said, you know, basically don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Today has its own trouble, mm -hmm. you know. And I can't tell you how many times that verse I've thought about, you know, because I skew towards anxiety for sure, you know, I mean, I'm the mom that sends like the PSA emails to my kids, like, you know, like, you know, did you know about this? You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, you know, and I'm, I'm that person for sure. 
And sometimes I'm the one that needs to like really slow myself down and say, you know what, like you don't need to be catastrophizing because you have this like framework and go back to that. You know, and so I, I will bring some of that, you know, when it's appropriate, you know, to me, in, certainly in my life, but also, you know, I want to know what that is for people because mm -hmm. so that can be, you know, something that really does help with anxiety. Yeah, and I feel like that is the stable foundation. Like when we're reevaluating, what did I used to put my identity or security in? Is it actually stable? Will it stay the same? You know, and that, you know, is one of the only stable, it will never change um, that source of identity or that source of security in God and that he's in control, that he loves me. Um, I love that. Yeah. Hey, everyone. This is Isaac. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to get in touch with Miriam or Hope, or Stacy, we've linked to their practices and their websites in the show notes, so you can feel free to get in touch with them and explore more of the resources they have to offer. We also have some resources on our website at Upside Down that are connected to the art show we have on the walls right now called Peace Be Still. One of the things is called the Anxiety Starter Pack, which is not meant to induce anxiety, but rather give you some tools for how to grapple with it. There are some articles, there are some podcasts, and some upcoming events that we've got going on that we'd love for you to be a part of. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, you can write to us at hello at upsidedown.com. You can follow us on social media, or you can just visit us at the cafe and talk to your friendly local neighborhood barista. Have a great day.